we're going to be taking you through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. So a black comedy feature film. So the idea of this podcast, in a way, is to for us uh, to talk through what our process is of making a feature film. We've done a, we've done a lot of short films in the past. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together as uh, Mark, as director and myself as producer. Yeah, I know. And it's, it'll be a nice way just to follow our, our, our own project. And then also you yourself might be about to launch your own feature project or maybe... You're about to take a leap and start shooting your own uh, short film. And, you know, no matter what stage you're at, maybe this podcast might be helpful to you. And uh, we, we kind of hope in a way it's like a document of the yeah. the disasters and the... And triumphs as well. Huge, and triumphs. Huge triumphs. triumphs enormous will... triumphs and yeah. vast funding that falls upon our lap. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but in all seriousness, the idea is that we try to document it both for ourselves and so that it's interesting and, and as an insider's viewpoint uh, for for all our listeners to see what it's like making a, a debut feature film. But uh, we should probably tell you who we are because at the moment we are just these two strange floating disembodied voices uh, coming over the internet to yeah. you. So, so my name's Aaron Trinder. And my name's Mark Hardman. Hello. And uh, I'm going to introduce Mark, who's a very long old mate of mine. We've met, in fact, 20 years ago. Yeah, probably. About uh, that. And we worked together in sort of broadcast design. So for those that, though, that don't understand what that is, it's basically the bits between programmes on telly. Yeah, when you're <clears> making <throat> a cup of tea, that's what we... And of course, that they don't even exist anymore no. in this era of like Netflix and Amazon and all that kind of thing. Because you just have this Netflix logo come up, and that's it. You don't get any of these fancy things in between that we spent so much of our time <laughs> actually uh, doing. But basically, we were in a broadcast design company together at the end of the '90s, which really does make me feel old. Oh my yeah. god! And we were working in Soho together, and it was kind of party time at the end of the 90s, was it not somewhat? It, it, it was, I suppose, wasn't it? It was kind of all, it was the last days of Rome a little bit, wasn't it? Everyone was kind of enjoying themselves a bit too much. And It, um, it was, I wouldn't say Sodom and Gomorrah, but it was as, as close as we've <laughs> ever got to that. But sadly, because we were quite junior down the food chain, we kind of, we didn't get to kind of bear the fruits of that uh, no there was lots of there was industry. lots of kind of fancy lunches and dro and riding around in chauffeur driven cars that we witnessed when we started and then as soon as we got in there the kind of arse fell out of the whole 
industry and we ended up just kind of not really tasting any of that did we we, we kind of we got we got a glimpse of it but uh we've ended up in your shed doing a podcast we've ended up in my shed we'll talk about exactly where we are at some <laughs> point it's quite quite surreal because outside effectively it's turned into narnia yeah. and um uh, and it, it's yes it's kind of we're in basically my shed which is the center of the empire which i call trinder films which again we'll, we'll talk about at some point but um so going back to how how we met, we met in the broadcast industry, and then and then from there, after I seem to remember getting made redundant in at nine eleven, it yeah, was about it was two weeks then. after nine eleven, yeah, where I, I'm not going to say I was a victim of the whole thing, <laughs> let's put it that way, but uh, strangely it had a, it had a ripple effect on the advertising and uh, broadcast industries in yeah. that lots of companies basically made, made a lot of people redundant. I was definitely one of them. Mark two shortly afterwards and. Well, personally speaking, I haven't had a proper job ever since. Well, you were did you were very much into Aaron very much got back into his music. He's always been a bit of a musician and, and mm. music producer. And so we used to go along to we were part I was part of the little crew to follow you around your gigs and stuff, wasn't it? And I ended up doing music vis, uh, visuals for you and music videos and that kind of thing. We did a lot of fun things. Mark was uh Mark's a very talented man generally, but uh he was he was our kind of VJ if you like. He would create all yeah. of the vi visuals for for our DJ gigs, and we went to all sorts of fun places, Zurich, and uh, we played at Fabric. Uh, so we've had many lives and incarnations. Yeah, they were fun, fun, fun they times. Were, they were fun times. And um, sort of after that, in a way, we've both uh, got into making films of our own, and we've both done a London Calling, haven't we? So, uh, yeah. Film London backed London Calling. Yours was Mr. Torquay that was on the, on the festival circuit a couple of years ago, wasn't it? It was doing it pretty well. Yeah. awards and such like and all that kind of business and your your film we are what we drink has done great it's a uh, sort of clever observational sort of comedy and um in a way is a sort of good example of a bit of your kind of wit and uh, and yeah and it's, it's quite a quite a few years ago now but it's still kind of doing the rounds a little bit of festivals Did it get on amazon recently or something as it's well? on amazon it's on amazon prime you can rent it and buy it still and you there. must have made about 46 I've, quid i've literally that. made 38 quid or something like well, that. well that's yeah. paid for what the drinks that's, are pay, that's evening, kind of paid for it? the drinks this evening so there we go that's how our careers are slowly progressing along and we're progressing along <laughs> and and i mean both of us have sort of have, have made short films i've i've worked on mark's short film as both a uh, first AD, and I yeah. was a, as a cameraman on one of your another of your short films yeah. that you did, and I've graded them, and so basically we've been a long time collaborators. Yeah, like I was yeah. saying, your your film, Mister Talkie, likewise. So we've kind of shared each other's first AD kind of roles. Something else there, shared each other's. <laughs> we've done each. We've done. We've been each other's first AD, and also just. Also, um, we're just good collaborators in the sense that we can share scripts at really early early doors yeah. as well, which we do quite a lot. We have done throughout our different productions, and this one routine being being no exception. And you know, you yourself has set up your own production company now, which you make music videos, we're commercials. In, we're in the hub of that we're in the epicenter of it right now. All the magic happens amongst these four brown walls. Two dads in a shed. Two, two dads <laughs> in a shed with cheap mics. <laughs> Uh, but intoxicants. It actually sounds disposing. quite. It seems, I think you've done a nice little setup here. It's nice. It's all right, isn't it's it? A bit professional. I don't I think. think we could quite be hiring out for uh, Soho day rates no, just yet. But no. 
but it 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 will do it will do what we need for this for this specific. No, purpose. there's lots of lots of st- stuff in boxes and bags all around. I'll try and pi- I'll try and picture it for our listeners because obviously we don't actually want to share any it's photos. Be like Del Boy's lock up, maybe is <laughs> what it looks like. It's got slightly less shiny things and more just like old kids' clothes stashed in the corners. No, this is where the magic happens, and this will probably be where we do a lot more of our podcasting. But from humble beginnings, Mark. I know. As this film is, in a way, an example of that, from humble beginnings, we're at the very early stage of the full production of the film where do you think we'll end up and we'll look we'll look back from sipping we'll be sipping cocktails by a pool somewhere in hollywood going remember when we were in your shed when it was pissing down with snow outside <laughs> i've never heard of pissing down with snow before <laughs> what, shitting what, down with snow is it shit down with snow <laughs> yeah i think yeah it just sort why of why not it is tonight it sort of it. flops down with snow doesn't it it fumbles down. fumbles down with snow so where are we so we have been working together for a long time and now we're at the point where we want to document our process yeah. making making uh, a feature film together and and i think this podcast would be quite a good uh useful tool for us in the making of this um film at every stage of the production because it's just like a way of checking in on where we are are we making any progress are we making any progress are we getting anywhere are we doing anything at all oh, have we done anything at all apart from being in a shed? in your shed well in a way i sort of feel like it's it's like a, a it, it's a compro- it's a bit of a prompt for us. So if yeah. we if we're sitting in a shed ma- talking about the film, then we've got to have done something yes. between the ne- the this time and the next time that we yes. sit in the shed talking about it. And we've got to do our homework. We've got well, we've got to have something <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to DIY Well, we, we were quite entertained, weren't we, by the memoirs of Louis Bunuel. Um, my the surrealist last, film director. Yeah, my, my Last Breath. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. It's an amazing book. Uh, and in that, he... I mean, the brilliant thing about that book is that almost every paragraph is another idea of his or a like or dislike. It's, there's so much going on in there. Uh, and he, he goes on about uh, bars, his love of drinking in bars oh, on his yeah. own. And... And in particular, he mentions um, when working with a, a writing partner of his, he would go off, take himself off. They'd separate at the end of the day. He'd go off for a gin, uh, a gin martini. And he was very, very specific. It was London gin. Yeah. And we kind of fell in love with this idea of being like Louis Bunuel in, in, a, in a bar. And I think when we came around to the idea of this podcast, we thought this could be our version of a Louis gin. Yeah. Uh, where we kind of gather our thoughts on the film production, We'll, you know, figure out where we are, where we need to go, just collect our thoughts and then kind of take it from there, really. So, And, and Gin is somehow going to be like an inspiration. And what, what does he describe it as? I love this. He says, and this is quoting from My Last Sigh, uh, the Burnwell book, to provoke or sustain a reverie in a bar, I just love the word reverie, Yeah, you have to drink English gin, especially in the form of the dry martini. And... For those that don't know, obviously, dry martini is basically, you know, a kind of classic cocktail. And he goes on to describe exactly how you make that cocktail. So to to me, it does feel like we should live on air. Do it as close as he 
uh, stick to his yeah. recipe because he he's given us a recipe and this recipe has in some way been part of his ritual yeah his creative ritual he's very clear about the pro he's in fine detail isn't it here it's, it's, it's very specific it's fine fine detail to a level that I think is is fantastic. Should, should we read through the, yeah. the specific kind of recipe? I, I think I really ought to give it at least a page. So I love that, that he's going to give the specifics of this yeah. cocktail a, a whole page. Like all cocktails, the martini composed essentially of gin and a few drops of Nolly Pratt. Unfortunately, we've failed on that one a little bit because... Yeah. In our true kind of ghetto style, we, we couldn't, we couldn't really come across yeah. Nolly Pratt. We got vermouth. Yeah. Seems to have been an American invention. Connoisseurs who like their martini very dry suggest simply allowing a ray of sunlight to shine through a bottle of Nolly Pratt before it hits the bottle of gin. So <laughs> that's words, pretty. That's pretty slight, isn't it's it? It's very slight. At a certain period in, America, period in America, it was said that the making of dry martini should resemble the Immaculate Conception. And Bunuel's being Spanish was kind of nutty about Catholic stuff. And if you watch mm. any of his films, it was all quite Catholic. Mark's quite Catholic in his kind <laughs> of uh, in his drinking. <laughs> For as Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, once noted, Mark will tell us all about Saint Thomas Aquinas. Oh, yeah. The generative power of the Holy Ghost pierced the Virgin's hymen like a ray of sunlight through a window, leaving it unbroken. So there we go. No pressure. We just so have to no make it pressure. like that. We've got there to make go. it basically as like sort the, of spiritual uh, Our uh, Lady's as hymen. Okay. So, all right, I think we should do it. We've got some uh, accoutrements, would you right, call Right, we're going to... I, I what I love about this is I've walked in and Aaron set up a kind of a little makeshift version of a cocktail bar in which we are... Instead of having a shaker, we've got a thermos flask. Yeah. Uh, his little stirrer is like a little tea spoon or a tea stirrer or something. It's basically the thing I mix kind of pancakes with for oh, the yeah. kids in the morning. So I, I don't know what Louis would have to say about this, but we're going to do the best we possibly, possibly can with, with what, we've, what we've got. But we, yeah, we, it's definitely the ghetto version, but as, yeah. as is kind of... Shed uh, version. It's the shed, it's shed, the shed version. version. And But again, like I say, from humble beginnings... Who knows where we'll be in a year's time. We'll be having these martinis in, in, in a lovely bar somewhere, mate. Absolutely. All right. So the, the, okay. the ice is actually in the fridge, which is the garden. The garden. Shall I go and get the ice? Go and get the ice. Okay. So the ice, fantastically, has now got added, added actual snow, real snow, because for whatever reason, today is the first day that it snowed in England for about a year. We, we found a, a video clip of Louis himself, the man himself, the great man, Don Bunuel. Oh, I love that. I love that clip. Making an actual <coughs> dry martini. And what's fantastic about it is, is that he um, he's not even really doing it for the camera. He's just making a dry martini. And, and the director or the, the cameraman is kind of saying, what are you doing? And he says, I'm making a martini. <laughs> I love the way the, the, the whoever's off camera says, and it's subtitled, what is it? What is it? At is the end, you went in like, it's a, a dry martini. martini. <laughs> <laughs> martini I'm, I'm Don Bumwell, you know, what do you expect? These, all these sound effects we've actually put in in post. Oh, no, that, there we go. Is that enough or do we need more? No, that's, that's probably okay. enough. That's probably enough. So... So there's right. some ice cubes there, and basically we need to imbibe the cubes with... Angostura bitters. Angostura bitters. For, for, for first. Here and we go. it's a dash. 
if that. There, there we go. go. And then next up is the vermouth. And unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, we didn't get uh, uh, Nolly Pratt. Nolly Pratt, is that what it's called? I d- I've, I've struggled with how to pronounce that. I was scared to go into an off-license last <laughs> for a Can Nolly, have Nolly Pratt. Pratt, please, mate? Uh, Give me love, do you have a Nolly Pratt? You got any Nolly Pratt, mate? Okay, right. Uh, so then, how you have to talk in all the offies around our way. So... <clears throat> and now, what we have to do is, you have to actually mix up the ice. So we mix up the ice, and then we strain out the excess water. Okay. Where's the tea strainer? Oh, here it is. There we go. So we strain out the excess juice, as it were. And it's making this is making the, so now the we cocktail just, for later. Now we just have some just flavoured ice, ice with a gen, very thin coating with of an this ambience of Angostura stuff. bitters and um, cheap vermouth. Aha! Uh-huh. Like the and Virgin now, Mary's hymen. It's it's currently not, not been bro- unbroken. Not broken. broken. Not broken. So now we just basically lace it with tons of gin. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And uh, we we we're doing it Spanish style. We don't really have any measures or anything yeah. like that. And now we stir this around. Give it a stir. Around and around. Here we go. <laughs> Again, we're putting this sound in in place. Everything's going fine. And and now the magic happens because what happens is. From the thermos flask. <laughs> oh We're, shit! Well, you <laughs> nearly poured it into the. <laughs> shit, Mark right. nearly poured it into the bucket. <laughs> now we we actually do have some rather fancy gin glasses. Oh look at that! And we strain out so that we just pour the liquid from the thermos flask into the gin glasses, and they look. Amazing, and the miracle of them is that actually they do have a little hint of color in there, right? So, so mate, cheers. Our first chin, one, of... chin. Oh, yeah, oh my god, that is bloody lovely. That is really good. <clears throat> so, so we hope some reverie will be caused by, yeah, by this. That is lovely. So, I, now... f- I feel a bit, I feel a bit more mature drinking this drink than I would <clears throat> maybe even a gin and tonic. I would say, oh, I mean, really, you've got to be mature because it's so lethal. Bit bond, isn't it? You, I mean, uh, it's basically gin, but um, it's delicious, it's absolutely delicious. And the little hint of vermouth and the bitters just take the edge off the, the pure, the, just the, the, the alcohol fact that sharpness, it is just of it. pure gin, yeah. Um, but it's delicious. And coldness of the ice apparently is one yeah. of the key, key uh, aspects. So, down the hatch, down apparently, the you've hatch. got to sip it. Uh, this is another thing that's uh, mentioned in uh, Louis Bunuel's famous and wonderful film. The discreet charm of the bourgeoisie is that oh, yeah, yeah. you must sip it like champagne. Um, but he's kind of poking fun at the uh, bourgeois by by uh, saying that. So I, love, I love this little we bit. We could down it because we were right oiks. You were right oiks. But I love this little uh, bit in his in his book, in the chapter where <clears throat> he's talking about uh, the love of gin and martinis. He has this lovely bit that starts the chapter where he says, I can't count the number of delectable hours I've spent in bars. The perfect places for meditation and contemplation indispensable to life. Sitting in bars is an old habit that's become more pronounced throughout the years. Like Saint Simeon perched on his pillar talking to God, I've spent long quiet hours daydreaming, nodding at the waiter, sometimes talking to myself, watching the startling sequences of images that pass through my mind's eye. Today I'm as old as a century and rarely go out at all, but alone during the sacrosanct cocktail hour, 
In the small rooms where my bottles are kept, I still amuse myself by remembering the bars I've loved. And I bloody loved that because when he wrote this book, he was, I think this book was published the year after he died. Yeah, it was so very close. So it was very it? close to his death when he wrote this. So it's really, the whole book's really, it's called My Last Breath and it mm. really is like his last yeah, memoir, his last. And yeah, it's, a, it's a very good advert for drinking once a day a very, very good drink because he's, his mind is clearly so um, <coughs> spectacularly yeah. sharp and clear. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I've often uh, used the, the, the line he talks about when he says that, um, that, that wine is a purely physical pleasure. Yes. But, but gin is for the mind gin and for, for the, the imagination. So, so we're hoping that this drink will in some way provoke some imagination and reverie did you, um, during our process. Did you remember the bit he did about orgies? <laughs> I've got to read this because I found, I found this when I was looking for the gin bit. This is why I need to read this book again because I had to scan it quite... Yeah. I had to scan about two-thirds of the book in order to find the gin bit again. <clears throat> And even scanning this book, things are popping out. It's oh. like Busty Ladies, Dwarfs, Bloody Revolution. <laughs> Basically all cocktails. of the contents of his films. It's just, it's just absolutely fantastic. But he's got this lovely, lovely bit about orgies. And he goes like this. Then there were my bungled orgies. When I was young, and he's, he's, he's talking about a time now when he was in Hollywood. He spent a bit of time in yeah, Hollywood. So he's been, went all over the place. He's been all over the place. Um, when I was young, the idea of an orgy was tremendously exciting. Charlie Chaplin once organised one in Hollywood for me and two Spanish friends. But when the three ravishing young women arrived from Pasadena, they immediately got into a tremendous argument over which one was going to get Chaplin. <laughs> and in the end, all three of them left in a huff. <laughs> Which I think is lovely, because in my mind, I can't picture that scene without Charlie Chaplin being dressed as the little tramp. And then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the debut feature film this is DIY Cinema Cult. Let's, let's talk about our film. So Mark is the writer and director of the film, but why don't you tell us about the film in your from, from your perspective as yeah. the writer? Okay, well, the, the film is kind of, it came, I suppose it kind of came out of, I spent a, a little bit of time, a couple of years, doing stand-up comedy. Mm. Uh, writing and, and uh, performing it. And, and, and in doing that, I just kind of, came across this little subculture, weird scene, lots of odd, funny, lovely characters that I met while doing it in these kind of open mic clubs around around London. And so Routine is just a film that's kind of sprung from that. It's a struggling stand-up who uh, is kind of, he's a bit long in the tooth now. He's kind of in his early 40s. Not he's like us of, at all. Not, not like us. Fast <clears throat> approaching his kind of midlife uh, shenanigans. Definitely not like us at Definitely all. Definitely not like us. Uh, and things haven't really gone well in his life. He hasn't become the great stand-up, the great artist that he maybe imagined himself or maybe deluded himself and think that he was definitely going to become. Uh, and the film kind of features around one night where he has a kind of tremendous in one way looks like a tremendous breakdown on stage. Things all get a bit on top, but also it's almost like his last hurrah. It's the last, in a sense, he's planned one last final big routine yep. in which he kind of gathers some people together, pops them in the audience and kind of puts his world to rights in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very much a dark comedy. Um, it's a comedy that's also based quite, quite heavily in, in, in reality as well. So it's going to feel like a real open mic night. 
uh, in that the jokes don't have to be too funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's gonna, it's the, the, all the comedy will be coming out of real life situations rather than the gags that people are telling. It's yeah. gonna be out of the situations and the desperation that the characters, the characters are kind of feeling and and have them have found themselves in. I, I think what I liked about it so much when I read it was, <clears throat> I mean, there was a lot of things I liked about it, but. Um, it's obviously all set in one location, so mm. it's got that intensity of something like Dog Day Afternoon, which was like a big influence on our big yeah. both fans of the film. I mean, I should quickly probably say that the, what happens is that he, the, the, the basic one line is that the Don is a stand-up comedian who has a breakdown on stage and takes his entire audience hostage at gunpoint. So that's the kind of, yeah. in a nutshell. So yeah, Dog Day Afternoon, perfect. Dog Day yeah. Afternoon's got, he's obviously got that kind of, it's set in one place and there's a, the, it's almost almost like a theatrical aspect but but what but i also liked about it and and because you wrote it originally as a, as a, a short film didn't yeah you? and i think what was really interesting for me when, when i read the short film and, and i thought it would really work as a 20 minute 30 minute film but then you said you're going to do it as a feature and i thought oh, i have no idea how you're going to do that so uh, yeah, but you've managed it. So talk about yeah, a bit be, yeah. I mean, but let's not give away anything. No, let, well, I won't give too much away. But I, I mean, essentially, that twenty—I think it was like a twenty-five minute, uh, twenty-five page short yeah. that we <clears throat> originally had, and we were, um, we were pitching it to funding uh, bodies and councils yeah. and stuff, um, and quite a few pages from that twenty-five original twenty-five minute script do exist. Um, uh, quite they have kind of survived quite Pages well one to 24 <laughs> <laughs> um and within the um within the current script but then we kind of built this world around it and kind of yeah. we've kind of taken that as a kernel and kind of drawn on drawn a kind of uh increasing circle from there outwards and kind of brought in lots of other characters and storylines and um and i mean we don't want to give away what happens because i think one of the things i really liked about the feature script was that uh there is some rug pulling underneath there's audience some, perception yeah there's some rug pulling and some reveals and some yeah and i think what 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 it what it starts to become a film about really is then in a sense in a funny way about the nature of performance in yeah. some way as in you know we all get up and perform every day and if you are at your lowest possible ebb Yes. It's can you perform to sort of get through the day? Yeah. If you are a performer, what does it mean to stand up in front of people and deliver a performance? Yeah. And in a way, this plays around with the, the concepts of performance. It does. Yeah. And I mean, what I always liked about stand, doing stand up comedy was that there was, it was like a, it was like a split. Like you were performing and you were, even when you were telling jokes about yourself and being quite realistic, you were, you were um, putting on a character to some extent in yeah. order to get yourself, and to get yourself in across. In your stand-up, I always felt like you had a bit of a character because it wasn't a, you. Yeah, a tiny, tiny little bit. But then also what I loved about it was that you get, it's like five or ten minutes unedited time, uncensored time, where mm. you can talk about anything and you can be completely honest. Uh, so in routine, we kind of look at the kind of that kind of duality, the performative side mm. of life, mm. and also the idea that we some we often hide what we really think, and then off and then also in in this film, for example, Don with his microphone in that moment is given an opportunity to actually tell the truth, the truth, and he does, yeah. he finally does. And I think that's one of my favourite kind of lines of Don's, 
He says something about truth. What does he say? He says, well, someone asked him what kind of comedy does he do? And he says, well, I just try and make people laugh and tell the truth. And he says that very early on. And that you know, we call back to that later on in, in, the, in the script, obviously. And I, I love that line. I think it's that's just... It, it reminds me of Bill Hicks and, and people like that who yeah. were kind of, there was a brutal honesty about them, yes. but in some ways like a surreal, uh, hyper, hyper real kind of outside of reality. Yeah. So I think that's, that's what comedy does really well. And I think this is what the script tackles is oh, this great. idea that a kind of uh, a, a hyper reality and a, and a surrealness and then an, an ability to put your finger on the truth really, mm. really well can make people laugh and can yes. somehow bring out, you know, something meaningful and truthful. There, there's a brilliant... Um, it's funny, though. It's not... It is. It's not, yes. It's, there's a lot of... There's actually a lot of funny moments that are just in the script, as you mentioned, not necessarily about the performances themselves, because actually, in a way, a lot of it is what happens off the stage is funny. Yeah, and there's a lot there about being... A parent and being uh and or being a child and that kind of parent relationship and what you what you'd like to be achieving in order to be a, a certain type of person mum or dad for your kids and yeah. that kind of thing he has all these kind of anxieties about the fact that he feels he's failed a lot of people nothing like us nothing like us again <laughs> but i'd like to say there's a great um clip online you can you can google it and it's off uh, andy kaufman on the um on the Tonight Show or something, mm. he comes on to Letter, uh, David Letterman's yeah. uh, um, presenting it. <clears throat> and Andy Kaufman, obviously very famously known for all these kind of crazy characters and his kind of out, out, you know, outlandish kind of routines. And he comes on to David Letterman, I think it was like around 1980 or something like that, and he comes on and, um, and he basically starts to talk about his life up to that point. And people, people start to titter in the audience and they, mm. and they kind of wonder, you know, what's going on. And, and he actually asks them, you know, actually, I'd, I'd rather you didn't laugh now because I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> and, and in a way, it was this beautiful thing because he was just mm. really pushing and testing his audience and saying, well, you know what? I'm not doing a funny character for you now because I'm actually, my life is turning to shit. And, but then again, he was clearly doing some kind of character. It was a performance. It so was a performance, yeah. I think this is where the script's very strong is that there's this kind of constant sense of of playing around with what's real, what's a performance, and in a way that, that all of the actors, all of the characters in, in the, the script are, are all performing to one level or another, and maybe we're all performing in, to some level or another. And yeah. I mean, I love the film. I love this, the love the script. And uh, but, but what kind of stage are we in terms of the production? We're, 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 yeah. we're kind of a little bit at ground zero in a way. We are. I mean, we've kind of gone through... We're, we're currently... I'm currently working on fourth draft of this feature screenplay, but then again, like we say, that's probably gone through about four drafts uh, of a short version mm -hmm. of a kind of the kernel of the idea. So, but but for all intents and purposes, we're on the fourth draft. So now it's a case of getting that fourth one looking good, feeling right, and then sending it out to people. We're looking for funding now, aren't we? Basically, to yeah, kick start us off. I think it, the script is just so tight now mm. um we, we you know it's getting to the point where we have conversations over a gin and tonic occasionally and uh something will pop up and we'll suddenly go oh yeah maybe this character needs a little bit more fleshing out maybe this character needs yeah. a little bit less but it feels like there's not a massive amount further to go as in we're really at the point where you could imagine getting really good cast yes. in a room and start reading it and it would maybe breathe extra yeah. life into it. 
but we but you know you could rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and that t- tell us a little bit about the processes of rewrites up to up to where we are writing's su- i mean it's such a slog isn't it basically i mean you know as well yourself yep. but i feel like the last couple of the last draft especially i feel like things have been pulling together sometimes yep. you get so frustrated and and things just don't seem to be coming together and then somehow something just clicks and then and then you can start to tighten and tighten and tighten based on a, a lot of it's about finding your ending and knowing very clearly what you're trying to say at the end of the film and then yep. just literally going back through the script and tightening you know tying up all the bootlaces based on what the end result is going to be because we i think there's a sort of always a feeling of like you 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 know where it starts yeah you know a couple of the things that are going to happen the key things and you kind of know where you're going to end up yeah but it's almost like how you really tell that story in a in a in a beautiful interesting crafted way yes which ties everything together but still leaves the audience feeling like there's something for them to put into it as well uh-huh. yeah yeah for but sure but it's that it's not just a neat and tidy ending that kind of gives them oh well, that was fine and then they walk away yeah and I think we at the moment the script is at that place where it feels like there's enough in there that really tells the the character's story and the arc of the characters is very clear, um, and the and there's also the themes are really really brought to life. Yeah, and there's just a little bit of a hint there also that there's something still for the audience yeah. to work out of themselves, which I think is, yeah. is important. I mean, funny enough, talking about the ending without giving too much away, there's, there's, he a, dies at the end. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, Don kind of arrives at the gig with a little suitcase, doesn't he? Which, yep. which people are often asking him what's in the suitcase. And he just fobs them off by saying, it's just, it's for my act. It's, it's my big ending. It's the end mm. of my act. So in a way, metaphorically, we've always had this suitcase that we've kind of struggled with. Or I've certainly struggled with what's inside the suitcase. Yep. And there's been versions, re- uh, written where um the the what happens to that suitcase and what comes out the suitcase has been slightly altered and to help to help with the themes of the film so in a way i feel like we've I'm not going to tell what that is, but I feel like we've got to the end, the conclusion we cut of what out all that, the X-rated versions. All the porn stuff is gone. <laughs> but, um, it wasn't working no. for, for, uh, for funding. I mean, it wasn't working for uh, the story. Well, we've had I've, we've had say we've had people say you should put some tits in. Maybe you get some. Really? You've yeah. Heard, who said I, that? I'm not going to tell you who said that, but you, you probably They're know. They're out. They're out. I'm the producer. They're out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not that's not it's not that kind of movie. we're not having to in this so there's been a lot of drafts and 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 we 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 had an amusing kind of back of a fag packet they used to call it a budget yeah. a back of a fag packet and we've always had this idea of like well maybe this is one of those <coughs> films Maybe this is one of those films that we could literally just go and do. Yeah. And yeah. we we kind of thought, well, we you know we make you know we make a lot of stuff ourselves. You know, Mark's making a documentary for basically no money at the moment, and yep. I make all sorts of uh, short form, medium form. Let's just uh, do it. Projects. Let's just shoot we've, this. we've got cameras. We've got lighting equipment. We've got sound equipment. Maybe we could just go and do it. And then you you actually break down the script, kind of. Uh, with a little bit of of, of uh, rigor, and then you and we came to a number, didn't we? We thought if we basically paid everybody 
national minimum wage. Yeah. And we have everything that's currently in the script. We came to a number which would be what it would cost to just film it. And let's not mention that number. No. But it was more than any of us have got yes. sitting, floating in around our in our shed. Yeah. Yeah, no, we don't have that money. But it was but it was interesting. It was a good it was a good yeah. process because it was like a kind of mind experiment uh of like, well what does it actually take to get something like we have at the moment, which is a well structured short in one location to just be shot. Because we we both have strengths in post production, so we we're yeah. fairly confident we can Deal with the edit, deal with the sound. It was a good wake-up call, though, wasn't it? Just to get it that was. number. Because that number now is just like, that's the roundabout that we have in our minds. That so that's probably what it's going to roughly... Be, that's the bare minimum. Bare we know minimum. we can do it. And it's not it's not, it's not, not a great deal when it comes to actually funding any sort of film that you no. ever watch on telly, Netflix, or other cinema. So, it, it, it's, so in a way, it's good because it's liberating. You think, well, if that's all we've got to get maybe we can do that but it's going yeah. to take a bit of time because we're not wealthy people no but we can we could potentially uh do that and, so, and the thing is like i've managed to write something that all happens in one location which is helpful but then yeah. unfortunately <clears throat> because it's a live performance there needs to be audience there needs to be extra there's extras involved so unfortunately there is quite which just happens to be wembley just stadium bloody loads of cars with, with a million thing. people and yeah. the thing is unfortunately you know we need the volume of cast or at least to to, to simulate you know, kind of um, a, a large audience in order to create the the kind of tension and the you've got to have the atmosphere. Of, the atmosphere, of it, yeah. The the in a way the the performance that Don gives and the, the fact that he's holding a group of people in some ways against their will is uh, it, it wouldn't work with six people there. No. It, it needs enough people to get the the jeopardy of yes. It's a we need it's a jeopardy. hostage situation. So. So, so we, we we've got a sense of, in a way, what this is, what we're aiming at—the at absolute bare minimum. As in, we wouldn't get paid a single penny, but mm. we just get a way to make it happen. I think we had a number of days, didn't we? Like ten days. Ten days. days. We thought we could this if we did this totally ghetto style. Mm-hmm. We would do it in ten days, and it would be this number. We'd and that's to get on. it in the can, and then that's just to get we'd it have to raise can. money. <clears> and that's post. basically using our, our own equipment and, yeah, all, and yeah. basically asking everybody we've ever known to come and do this for us for for their holidays yeah. for for not yeah. much. Um, but we hope that we can do better than that. But in, in in that process of sort of doing better than that, we we realise now what we've got to do is as well as this podcast is start to present it to the world to some degree because you've got a very strong visual eye uh, mark you, you know you're a fantastic illustrator and and um and so so in a way what one of our strengths is as a as a creative team is that you you can present your ideas beautifully visually and i think a yeah lot, a lot of a lot of films often don't do that so we've we've been working on something recently which you which you've sort of got yeah to yeah lookbook i mean that was kind of you kind of you were kind of saying look if we're going to present this to people and we can look for funding you know just to bring it alive in people's minds you know if we sit down at a debt on a table with somebody or in a pub or in a bar or in a restaurant mm. and tell people about this film who could potentially fund us or give us a bit of money or help 
you know, these people aren't going to have the film living in their they heads like we have. Like. Yeah. Um, so uh, essentially we needed some kind of document, some kind of presentation in which they could kind of get a feeling for it and see it. And we literally have pulled together something that feels not, you know, has all these kind of references in it, have some storyboard frames, um, location pictures and stuff like that, just mm. can, to bring it alive. So, so a lookbook, for those of you who don't know, is effectively a way to present your ideas beyond just the written word and what mark's done is is uh he's created a it's a it's a 20 page or so yeah pdf with with reference imagery with obviously the synopsis with ideas about casting with ideas about the visual style uh with references to to films that have been an influence uh, mm. and our biographies and and in a way this is a way for somebody who's a complete and utter stranger to the project to look at it and go oh yeah i can see what this movie yeah. would be like and it would look great on a laptop or on an ipad or something just bring it along to a meeting and um and there's, just... there's in a way there's no one way to do this it's all about mm. the personality of the film that that, that you that you're making that's yeah is, defines it but you should certainly have the story in there you should certainly have the synopsis you should certainly have the key yeah. team and as much i feel as much visual references as, as you can because yeah. actually you know, unless you're an extremely great presenter of ideas, chances are, you know, people aren't going to have those pictures in their head that you have yeah. in your head. So if you can put them in your head but visually, and it's also something you can send. So it's yeah, something sure. we can send to funders. It's something we can send to potential collaborators, to to directors of photography, yeah. to all the people we're going to end up working with. And I was able to pull together some graphics to give people an idea of, I mean, in, in a sense, they were kind of poster-style graphics, but things you could kind of pepper throughout the presentation so it yeah. feels like it's something that's coming to life or it's already happening, you know, it's something that's there. It's just a matter of getting involved and joining in. Yeah. So we've done this lookbook. We've got a kind of general idea of the budget of the film and... Uh, and our next steps, in a way, is, is we're going to start presenting these things to the world, right? Yeah. And, I mean, we, both of us have been through processes of getting films commissioned in the past. Yes, and yeah. So the, we've done that, both of us, through Film London, and I, I've done that for commercial projects, and and uh, Mark is uh, regularly pitching for ideas for 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 other yeah. video and film projects so so we are very used to presenting and to getting kind of our ideas in front of people but we know it's a very competitive world out there to make yeah, a, yeah. A, a debut feature and and the film funds that, that we have been involved with um we've we've both pitched her for a microwave which is uh, yeah microwave uh, yeah, not for this, England. not for this project. The film. I think we pitched to <clears throat> Creative England, but it was a short for that to lead for a short, to a feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was a short version we pitched. So in the UK, we, we generally the, the the public bodies are very very small. There, there, there's there's a there's a narrowing of the potential for public money, and and these days it, it, it tends to be Creative England through the I Features project. Film London through microwave. That's yeah. pretty much it for the low budget kind of um, yeah. realm. So both of those we may well revisit 
We may year. do, yeah, we may do, because now I feel like we've knocked on those doors a little bit before with this, but with different versions of the script. Yep. And since then, we've kind of I've applied for the the Rockcliffe screenplay um, kind of fund as well with BAFTA, and we got some great feedback from them mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, just notes on the script. So we've taken all those things on board now, and I've just this fourth draft I think will be completely different. So it might be worth. I know they don't really like you resubmitting scripts, but I'll, we'll see. We'll see how we go. It might it's be something a very, that we look yeah, at. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty different film now. Yeah. We're hoping in a way that this podcast is a way to start to not just kind of get people interested in the film, yeah. but maybe make contact with collaborators. Well, I hope so. I hope because I hope people are going to be listening to this uh podcast and kind of feeling inspired about their own projects, but maybe wanting to get involved with us in some way or just to to network, just to be in communication with us and if we can help you in any kind of way. Because that's the other thing we were talking about is yeah. that, that we'd be really interested to hear what what other people in a similar situation to us, whether yeah. that's with short films or with feature films, what they're going through what their processes have been, where, yeah. whether they are uh, thinking about funding from a public body, whether they're going to go through the Kickstarter kind of direction. And, we, and in a future podcast, we're going to talk about yeah. the, 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 the different ways that you can that you can gain funding. Because I think if you're going out and doing that for the first time, it's quite, it's quite a daunting experience. And there's lots of kind of little trip falls and stuff that maybe we could help you with and likewise if you're going through an, an, another version of funding somewhere mm. else or if you've got some other different ideas on that yeah and both of us well i mean i i've certainly run uh one successful kickstarter campaign which is which helped fund mr talkie and, I, and yeah. as, a, as a result i i've also had experience of of uh selling the film to 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 distributors so i think you know in a way we're interested in getting people's kind of uh input moving forward and another thing we're probably going to try to do is to do some interviews as well what, what are we yeah thinking we're gonna that? i mean i guess as people come in you know that come on board with the film and they can be key cast and key crew we'll have them in for interviews and mm. and, and just to kind of because they're going to be from varied backgrounds themselves they might have worked on some amazing films and they might have just some great stories to tell us and also maybe friends between us as well who are involved in the film industry who could come in and have a chat with us and maybe help us out with this project and give us some advice and a bit of a chat. Have a gin. I think the gin will lure yeah. them into We've the shed. We've drunk our gin. We should, have a, we should have a second. It might have to be number two. <laughs> right. Are you going to start to, to bubble up the the, uh, the next one? Well, what I was Has gonna... it worked its magic? Do you feel like the reverie? I, think, I feel a bit of reverie. There's, there's, yeah. some, there's definitely some reverie. I'm and... feeling a little bit of reverie here. I think I, we should I, do. I hope you're all feeling a little bit of reverie out there. <laughs> <laughs> in podcast land we, we, we're going to help ourselves to another one of uh, a Bunwell special I, should I we believe. do a Bunwell or should I do the elderflower thing I was going to do oh you're going off road already oh, shall I or should we do Bunwell should we stay to Bunwell uh, let's do oh, the bloody hell. oh bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I would really would love to hear anybody's interesting insights into sh to, to both short and uh, feature filmmaking, uh, or if you're also doing a web series, because this is another thing we've talked about as a, as a potential uh, way to sort of you know make narrative films at, at some point as well. So if you if you've got insights into short filmmaking to feature film and uh, webcast, well, sorry to to web um, series, then we'd love to yeah. to hear about it. Now you're just going to listen to us. Here's me making some. Vermouthy ice. 
Smooth the ice. <laughs> Excellent band name. By the end of this this session, we're going to be drinking all the slops that are in the kind yeah. of bowl there, all the kind of vermouthy, icy slops. Uh, we'll also put a link to the um, to the the Boomwell YouTube clip because oh, that is good, basically yeah. anything that has got Louis in is going to make you happy. He's basically one of these people who just lives his life in the most extreme way and lots of extreme things happen to him in return. His book just seems like a collection of mad shit. And, and what I loved is that, that by the end of the, the end, end of the book, you just feel like he's been the same person for his 80-odd years. But the, what's kept him fresh... You're really putting me off my flow there. But Sorry, mate. Tangling. Uh, <laughs> What's kept him fresh is just being almost deliberately against everything that's normal. Yes. He oh, just, he's appalled by it. He's appalled by anything that's a bit... Anything that's normal effectively frustrates and de and depresses him, so he just goes the other way. And as a result, he's as sharp as he was when he was a six-year-old, you know? He's he's just an extremely sharp, intelligent man at, at literally the point where it's his last sigh. There we go. Cheers. Oh, Christ! Ah, that's a bit more Ginny than the last one. <laughs> Cheers! I wonder what Louis would say to that. <clears throat> Happy filmmaking! Happy filmmaking, everyone! on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com follow us on twitter at diy cinema cult or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com